I did a deep dive into all of the tools and doing some research to kind of help my audience out with it. And, you know, I think what we already know is what you get out of it is as good as what you put in. Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, guys. Welcome. I don't care good, bad. I care only about skills that you can learn from this podcast. That is why I usually invite great speakers, experts who can share something new, valuable. And I'm so excited to discuss today more about SEO on Site Shopping with Jessica. How are you? Amazing. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Looking forward to learn mom. I like this topic. I know it's not simple today to get SEO traffic. Uh, in 2008, when I started my digital journey, I jumped with SEO, but competition was low. So we got results by using two methods to write for search engines and uh, buy mobile clinics that competitors had. <laughs> today, it, it doesn't work. It changed many times by Google. <laughs> and yep. Today, we pay more attention to white hat SEO. Jessica, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, so it, I've been in retail for 20 plus years and e-commerce specifically for maybe it's the last seven, maybe it's 10. I'm not sure. It's all a little blurry. Um, but my previous day job before I went out on my own, I was the only employee of a seven figure e-commerce store for three years. I cried a lot at that job. I was so over, like there, it was just too many things, but I learned, like I would not take back any of that time because I learned so much and I worked with so many great consultants and some not so great ones too. Uh, so it was definitely an experience, but it's, you know, I just love e-com because it really is that balance of the analytical and creative. Um, it's really just like my favorite thing. So now I love to take all those things that I learned the hard way and teach other people how to avoid all of that drama. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think it's hard to avoid drama. We need to have drama because it's boring <laughs> when you have no drama. <laughs> yeah, True. when when everything looks good, um, it kills productivity, it kills, uh, I don't know, creativity, <laughs> many yeah. things. And this but, is true. But when we have challenges, it means uh, that more people will give up. So uh, if you have challenges in marketing, that means it's hard for someone. And if you find the way how to overcome challenges, you can get results. Jessica, yeah. I see that you email strategies as well, not only SEO. I use email a lot. It's my living tool because I use PR, uh, link building, uh, outreach, even sales, various methods. Can you tell about personalization? How to personalize your message that people wanna read? Oh, great question. Yeah, so I'll, a little backstory about e-commerce badassery specifically. When I first started, my focus was really all about email because I realized how many e-commerce CEOs weren't using email. And I was like, guys, you're leaving so much money on the table. You have to send email. So then I got them to do the email and set up their automation, but they didn't have any traffic going through them. And I'm like, well, they can't make you money if you don't have traffic, right? And so then I had to kind of zoom out and take a more holistic view for my clients and students. But specifically with email, one of the struggles that I see is we just don't know what to say. We think we have nothing to say, so we say nothing at all and we miss out on opportunity. And most of the time it's because we're overthinking it. So I like to remind people that it's just a human on the other side of that email address who needs help with something. And if you can approach it from that lens, it becomes a lot easier to create content, right? Just like, what do they need to hear from you today? In terms of the personalization piece, it really depends. And when I say personalization, I don't mean like putting their first name in it, because I think every consumer knows that 
that's just, yeah, the email platform does that for you. Um, but typically it's about understanding where they are in the journey with you. So have they just discovered you? Are they a repeat customer? Do they spend a lot of money with you? Do they only buy when you run a sale? Um, and kind of understanding that so you can tailor your messaging to them. And then also just through, you know, general segmentation, which I have a love-hate relationship with segmentation. Mm -hmm. I think that it can be very powerful, but it can also, you can over-segment and miss out on opportunity. So I think it's definitely a balance there. But when it comes to it, I'm really looking at where they're at in the journey with me versus, oh, they bought product A, so they probably want product B. That can work, but it's not like my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah it's interesting a new terminology over segmentation <laughs> because <laughs> yeah uh, i i collect emails uh and i remember when in my company uh we submitted a few forms to collect these emails but we didn't segment email yeah. list and just send all emails uh, to all lists and open rate was low uh like uh, a few percent uh, then we started to research what's going on and found uh, that we didn't segment. And after fixing this, uh, open rate increased to 20-30%, uh, but over-segmentation is really need to learn more about that. <laughs> you know, it depends on the size of your list, right? Because sometimes you may create a segment that has 30 people in it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's too small. If you think, you know, if you consider you need typically a hundred visitors to get one sale, then you're probably not going to get any from that 30 person segment. So that's, you know, what I kind of mean about over segmentation. And then also I find during the holiday periods, I, I get rid of pretty much all segmentation. It's only based on whether or not they have bought the sale that I'm pushing to them because their previous behavior doesn't necessarily mean anything about how they're going to behave during the holidays because now they're shopping for other people too. So. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, I watched a video from Brian Dean um, probably a few days ago and he shared on this video that he tried to submit call to action on his blog Backlinko before uh, when he sold this blog to Semrush and uh, he submitted call to action but uh, got random sales, not good. Then he started to pay more attention to collect emails and 99% of all his sales uh, are coming from emails. So uh, the main goal of all this awesome blog, uh, I think all marketers know about this blog, uh, just to get traffic to collect emails. Then he sells by sending these uh, emails. Can you tell how to do it? It's interesting about the strategy. Uh, I mean, like, uh, what kind of content to create, to collect emails, any ideas about that? Because we have a bunch of strategies. But um, I often see when uh, people collect irrelevant emails, for example, if someone got like 10,000 emails, but if it's irrelevant to your products, it doesn't help to sell. So yeah. any tips about that? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I think it all starts with the actual content that you're creating. So I'll give you an example of someone I've worked with who she has a whole bunch of content on her website. She gets a ton of traffic for it, but it's the wrong traffic. So she sells jewelry. It's fine jewelry. She makes it by hand and she sells engagement rings but they have a very specific vibe. Like they have this like vintagey kind of feel to them. And from very early on in her business, there is content on her blog about choosing the right diamond. But the person who is searching for that is not necessarily the person who wants the jewelry that they, that she sells, right? They're just learning about engagement. So it brings a lot of irrelevant traffic. So I think that's kind of the first step is when you are creating content, blog content for an e-commerce business, we have to, it's gotta be a little bit more niche than that. It can't be so zoomed out. You don't have to cast the widest net. In fact, the smaller your net, 
the more relevant those people are going to be. And then we just have to be really intentional about how do we get them to stick around. And it's gonna completely depend on what you sell. Something like an engagement ring that costs a lot of money, it's gonna take that person a while to make a buying decision. So what I like to do, and I stole this from the online information and education piece, was to offer a PDF download, something that they can save and hang on to. And that actually works really great in e-commerce if it makes sense for your product. Um, and when, when you're creating the post, like even just from a visual perspective, it's like, okay, you've got your image and you have your content. Okay, well now we need a sign up form and then we need to feature some products and then we need another sign up form. And maybe you even have a pop-up that comes out. Like we have to just not be afraid to ask for what it is that we're trying to get. And remember that we are not the most important thing in our customer or follower subscribers life, yeah. <laughs> right? Like we're the last thing that they're thinking about. Um, so we just have to like keep showing up and keep asking for what we want. So that would be a very long winded answer to your question. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm going to steal your strategy as well. <laughs> so you stole before <laughs> I'm going to steal. I'm pretty sure my audience will steal as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it works, guys. It definitely works. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, I want to ask about uh, the strategy. You know, uh, you mentioned uh, about irrelevant traffic. I shared an example and uh, once I spoke with a master who lost 400,000 traffic because Google dropped his ranking positions, a lot of traffic. And he spent so much resources, time to create, to deserve this traffic, he lost, but he didn't lose any sales. So he got this traffic that yeah. didn't sell uh, his products. Uh, and I think it's related to sales funnel. Uh, if you get traffic, it doesn't mean you can sell. Uh, it's more important yeah. to relate. For example, even if I get SEO in the top 10, in the, in the first it's hard. It's really hard to overcome. I don't know. Google itself, Moz, uh, Neil Patel, many great uh, companies. Um, in the second, it doesn't mean that I can sell by having SEO in the top 10. Uh, can you tell how to unite your strategy with sales funnel that uh, will sell in the end? <laughs> Yeah, great question, because it's true that, I mean, yes, the traffic has to be relevant, but that's also not enough, right? And if we think about the studies that have been done that say consumers need seven to 10 touches before they're taken action. Mm -hmm. And I think that statistic is old. It's probably more by now because there is just so much information coming at people all the time. And hitting that blog post, that's just one touch. So like what happens after that? Um, obviously if you can get them onto your email list, great. And then how you set up that follow-up is going to depend on your business a little bit, right? If you have a really wide product assortment and you sell evergreen items that you just keep replenishing all the time, <clears throat> excuse me, then I will usually keep it a little bit more generic, right? Because it can be a little bit more difficult to kind of focus and hone in on specific products. On the flip side of that, if you have a smaller product assortment, that's where I say lean 110% into your bestseller and just sell them that thing. And the, what I, how I like to frame this is bring them in with the best and then sell them the rest, right? So you can do that through repeat purchases, through cross-sales on your website, all sorts of things, but just bring them in with the thing that you know sells really well. So you bring them in, you get them on the email, and then it's all about talking about that product and selling that product. And the thing that we have to remember is that people don't buy products. They buy solutions, they buy feelings. And it's really important that we speak to that. And I think depending upon what your product is, you can get really caught up in the features of it, especially if it's like technical in nature, but nobody cares about that because 99% of people don't understand. They're just like, hey, is this gonna solve the problem that I have? Please tell me that. And the other thing to think about in that content is overcoming whatever objections they may be having. So just like, you know, I said, hey, you are not the most important thing 
in this person's life, your competition is literally everything in their life and every poor experience that they have had with a product like yours. So if your product is better than what they've tried before, you really need to speak to that as well. And I think we can't be afraid to be salesy um, because that's our job is to sell our product. Yeah, nice. Awesome. You know, you remind me three people. Uh, the first, Roberto Caldini, uh, when he wrote this awesome book about uh, reciprocity. So mm -hmm. if you share value, you create uh, the feeling guilt to give something back. So uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the second, uh, Seth Godin, <laughs> when he uh, quoted uh, content marketing is one marketing left. So basically we need to help others uh, to uh people need to meet our content uh, to get this value then they will buy and the third person bill gates <laughs> you know <laughs> about focusing yeah really uh i remember his example when he explained how he can sell products for example he has product a and product b if product after investing x amount of money to product a and product b if product b will bring two times more sales the second time he will invest two X money to product B, ignoring product A. So it's focusing yeah. and yeah. it's a big issue. You know, uh, you mentioned about focusing because I see when webmasters create a content plan with thousand keywords, sometimes hundred thousand keywords, <laughs> you know, and uh, but having uh, limited resources, even big companies like HubSpot don't post like uh, hundred posts a day, they post right. one post a really day good really good in depth yeah. yeah yeah can you tell about priorities how to create content plan with priorities and to know that they to these topics will bring results in the end yeah that's a great question and point and thing that we that we should absolutely talk about and there's two example brands that I will usually tell people to go look at for inspiration of how they do this. One of them is Beard Brand. If you're not familiar, they were a content company before they were a product company. Mm -hmm. So the founder, Eric, was creating YouTube videos about caring for his beard, how to style it, how to cut it, da da da. And then he created the products to help them do that. The other one is called Man Registry. So they sell groomsmen gifts and they hold the top content spot in Google for pretty much anything someone would search related to getting married. Um, and they do an amazing job. And I think that if you're just getting started with this, I think you have to start at the the closest like the lowest piece of content someone would be looking for when they're super ready to purchase get that in place first what that looks like is going to depend on your product and then you can start zooming out and doing the other stuff if you even want to which that existing content will probably perform well enough that you realize you don't have to <laughs> mm -hmm. right so you're not too far zoomed out um and i think that I would rather see you do less, but better. Mm -hmm. If you think about what is like, what is SEO? And I really focus on on page. Um, most of my clients are on Shopify. And so there's limitations in what you can do from a technical perspective. And, you know, they're not ready to focus on that stuff anyway. But SEO, it's just a partnership with Google. You guys have the same goal, right? Is to get to the user get the user to the best result product blog as possible in as few clicks and as quickly as you can. So if you think about if I were in person with someone who was looking for a product like mine, what are the questions that they would be asking and how do I articulate that this is the product for them? And I mm -hmm. think if you approach it from that way, it becomes way easier to write content and when you hear all of these stories about oh you know google changed the algorithm and i lost all my traffic and i'm like because you were writing for the search engine and not the user 
Yeah. If you write for the user and serve the user, you will survive all of those algorithm updates. Exactly. Yeah, I, th I think so. Uh, Google uh, has been teaching about that like since 2000. <laughs> Create <laughs> know, content. Like, like they are telling us, why are we not listening? And I get it. Like we all want to hack the algorithm and we want to figure out the best way. But I think we lose sight of what our job really is. And that is to serve the person who needs the thing that we sell. Yeah. And if we nice. could just put that at the front of any everything, like our job would be so much easier. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I listened to audio podcast uh, with Gary V, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting about him because I listened to some episodes uh, in two, uh, 2010, 2011, uh, and he explained the same. Don't care about search engines, think about human being. Uh, I think Forbes, uh, CNN never cares, uh, care about SEO. They care about human being and yeah. get million traffic. Uh, and today it's the best time to change the strategy from <laughs> creating content <laughs> for search engines. Uh, we need to optimize, we need to optimize, but, uh, yeah. I only optimize when you have great content for users. Uh, Jessica, I want to ask about this great content, uh, how to craft great content today from your experience. Uh, I, I want to ask about even how to craft content that people want to consume, because I remember I spoke with Jim Edwards. Uh, he wrote an amazing book, uh, say thank you for everything. He has experience uh, in business insider. Who, uh, he started on this company from scratch, uh, worked 10 years, then company was sold for $500 million. Uh, well, all right. <laughs> yeah, great success. And he told me that success of business insider depends on creating non-boring content. Uh, if you mm. craft great content, valuable content, but if it's boring, people bounce fast. We see yeah. everywhere. So can you tell how to retain them, how give them a solid reason to consume until the end. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great point. I just had a similar conversation with someone yesterday because he commented, he had gone to my website and I don't know if you did that, but he said, you know, I can see your voice and your personality all over your website in the way that you write. He's like, it kind of seems like you just write the way you talk. And I said, yes, that's exactly what yeah. I do. Um, and it's really funny because when I was in my early twenties, um, there was someone, an adult in my life who commented on how small my vocabulary was. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, like, what do you even say to that? And maybe that's true, but you know what? It serves me now because I speak like a human people know me and either love me or hate me. And that's fine. Um, but people are drawn to me because of that. And so I think, you know, if you're a big, huge company, you're not the face of your brand, it doesn't have to be you, but there needs to be some personality, some brand voice, something that the human reading it can connect to. You don't have to be a great writer. You know, I, the majority of people of adults read, I think at like an eighth grade reading level, like you don't have to use big fancy words. You just need to write in a way that people can connect to you. And if you are a good storyteller, <clears throat> even better, even better. People love stories, but it's, I'm not the best storyteller, I don't think. I don't know. I just write the way I talk. So <laughs> when <laughs> nice. people, you know, it's funny because people ask me about writing copy and I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just write what I think. I don't, I'm not really super intentional about it, but people seem to love it. So I do think it's another thing that we just sort of overthink sometimes. Yeah. Great points. And, um, I know that open AI is going to launch, uh, a new version, spoken words. So it will be conversational tone. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's interesting when I'm using chat GPT, I always set up this prompt, uh, please write, uh, edit my text in the way, uh, like people are talking, you know, <laughs> something like this <laughs> or conversational tone, 
different yeah. prompts and it works well you know <laughs> so yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, i didn't see this version but i'm going to test because i, I read uh, in news that ChatGPT is going to launch this spoken words version interesting to check you know because it's important and uh, i think these tips uh, uh, i read these tips a lot even uh, from books that uh, were written before digital uh, Josh Ugerman wrote about that, uh, Saif Godin uh, shared a lot that you need to speak like you talk, you know, then you can uh, yeah. engage your audience, you can get high results because it's our way to consuming content, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's just, it's easier. It's so much easier, right? It doesn't take thought for me to like, okay, what is the best word? What's the most persuasive word? What should I put here on my landing page? No, I just write the way I would have a conversation with someone and it seems to be working out for me so far. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, <laughs> awesome. Jessica, I wanna ask about AI. We touch yeah. it, AI. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to ignore this tool today. It was simple yesterday, impossible tomorrow. And yeah. uh, uh, Jeff Coyle, said on my podcast uh, that in the future we will have three companies the first company will develop ai the second implement and the third will be obsolete who can leave the trade you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. i think it's the best time to adapt to ai even if you can't get great results for example uh, in marketing i don't know probably everyone can use ai uh, in writing probably everywhere but uh, in most niches, people still ignore AI. For example, I spoke with my brothers. Uh, they are working in accounting, have great revenue. And I asked them, do you use ChatGPT or any other AI tools? They don't. They don't know how to use it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I usually tell them uh, it's better to start thinking how to use it <laughs> because yeah, if you ignore AI today, AI will ignore you tomorrow, you know? <laughs> so yeah. can you tell how to use AI to create great content? Because content creators complain, it's rewriting tool, non-creative, non-human touch, but everyone uses to create content. So can you tell the, the right way yeah. how to do it? <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because I I did a deep dive into all of the tools and doing some research to kind of help my audience out with it. And, you know, I think what we already know is what you get out of it is as good as what you put in, right? And so obviously it's going to mature and evolve over time, but right now as it stands, you still have to do the work and give it the information it needs so that it can create great content for you. Now, how everybody is gonna work with these is gonna be a little bit different. For me, I find it so much harder to edit something than it is to just write it from scratch. Mm -hmm. So I don't use it for myself, but I have a lot of students and biz friends who they just like that blank, that blank page with the blinking cursor just like really freaks them out. And so they will use it to just get started and then they edit it to make it, you know, a little bit more in their voice. And I think it just depends, you know, I do think though, and I, we're talking about AI specifically, but I think this is everything. Like you don't have to know how to do everything. You don't have to be the best at it, but you have to be dangerous enough to know when the result of what someone else is doing is good or not, right? If you're gonna hire people to help you, like you need to know if they're BSing you or if they're actually doing a good job. And I think AI is similar to that in that we have to understand how to use these tools because they're just, you know, permeating every little bit of our lives and it's going to continue that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite as afraid of it as some people are, and maybe I'm just being naive. I don't know. You know, do I think it's going to like replace humans? Do I think it's going to replace Google search results and screw over SEO? No, I don't think any of those things, but Maybe I'm mm -hmm. not paying close enough attention. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I think before Terminators will kill all human beings, we have time 
to use mm-hmm. AI. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, it's hard to, pro, to predict the future because I tried to forecast the future when I bought crypto and I How had the. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the strong feeling crypto will go up, it went down, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I got that it. it's not my way, you know, when you are going to win in two directions, it's hard, you know, uh, so yeah. it's like lottery, luckily I never pull, uh, put all eggs in one basket, so I'm, I'm okay, you know, <laughs> to play this yeah. lottery, but uh, about AI, I don't know, I, I see it's only beginning and it's right. evolving. Uh, it's hard to ignore because it helps. It helps. And for example, I edit on ChatGPT press releases. We got mentioned on CNN, uh, Business Insider. Uh, we use editing. Uh, I don't write from scratch. I don't generate content. But I, f- I collect data, write my bad copy, and ask ChatGPT to create good copy. You know? And it right. works. <laughs> you know, yeah. if... If CNN mentioned your press release, that means it's quality. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. That's amazing. The other thing that I, and I, I, I literally know nothing about this. Um, I heard someone talk about it on someone else's podcast and I will look into it at some point, but this could probably work for, was it your brothers? The, who have the accounting thing, right? So there are people now who will build micro apps for you on top of ChatGPT. So if you have a specific um, like system or framework or something that you teach, right? They, that maybe now it lives in a spreadsheet, they can build it an app for you, a micro app as they call them um that can do it through ai versus you having the spreadsheet that you have to hand out and people screw it up and all that so i'm like well that's a pretty cool use i definitely would like to look into that um but i think for right now it seems like most people are just using it to create content um i'll be interested to see how long it takes for everyone's content to sound the same mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um you know in marketing it's important to adapt Whatever happens, yeah. <laughs> we need to adapt. And marketers on TV and radio didn't lose their jobs. They adapted to digital. And for yeah. me, the best marketers uh, had experience on radio and TV <laughs> because, uh, you know, uh, when someone started on digital, uh, it's common issue to think how to game the system. But before digital, <laughs> before digital, people didn't try. And today it's so hard extremely hard to game Google, LinkedIn, other social media because they have experience. (laughs) Right. Well, that's the thing, right? Going back to that, if you're trying to game Google, that's when you're going to lose all your traffic when they make an algorithm update because they're like, oh, that guy's, yeah, he's trying to hack. Yeah, no. So I think, I mean, I get it. We're all just looking for a shortcut. How do we make more by doing less? And how do we beat out all the competition and all that? But I think sometimes we just lose sight of the the true thing that makes businesses succeed is just focusing on the customer and what they need from us. And oh, man, it's just, it take it can take longer. It can yeah. take longer, right? But it's more sustainable over time. It, it, it can take longer takes time but i don't know what today uh, doesn't ask for time uh, i don't know someone who can become an instagram star, star overnight you know uh, yeah. you can't win on linkedin you can't even in paid marketing it takes time i know companies that lost 400 thousand uh, dollars some companies even million dollars on paid marketing without getting any leads sales Wow. Because they think it it works uh, fast. It it doesn't work fast. Right. It takes time to analyze, to find, to to create uh, selling landing pages, to analyze competitors, to learn about customers. It takes time and time. great experts. Yeah. 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 If it were easy, everyone would do it, right? I mean, it's so cliche, but it's true. And another example of you know 
was with iOS 14 and Facebook ads, right? I mean, so many people completely just like their business basically went away overnight because they were relying on the algorithm to do all the work. And then guess what? The algorithm didn't have as much information and they couldn't find your customers. But, you know, I have a, a biz friend. She has a boutique Facebook ads agency and I send all my clients to her because I don't really know how to run Facebook ads. But she saw with that update, she saw a little blip for like two days when Facebook was like a little confused and didn't know what was going on. And then after that, everyone's ads just kept performing because she's going at it as a marketer and finding the right audience and managing the budget and testing creative and doing all of those things. So I think that um, the shortcuts only work in the short term. Yeah. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. And in most cases, shortcuts don't work at all. Jessica, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to ask about failing. You know, uh, I made a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them. Some of them are terrible, <laughs> some slight mistakes, but I don't know another way how to, uh, to avoid mistakes. But when you make mistakes, you, you learn. You learn how to yeah. go ahead how to improve and uh, it's part of our job to adapt to test to experiment can you list mistakes that marketers uh, still do but can avoid i mean like if you know such mistakes that uh, you see companies because i often see when companies create content uh, for the sake of having uh, chasing high volume a lot of mistakes but from your experience what kind of mistakes companies still do but can avoid yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this question. So there's the one I see, like the high level one that I think affects everything underneath is not using their data to make decisions. So you get into this like rhythm of, for instance, creating a whole bunch of social content all the time. I have to create more content. Okay, I got to do a reel and I got to show up on stories. And I got to post on TikTok and I got to post on YouTube and oh, maybe I should be on LinkedIn. Like they have to do all of these things. It's taking up all of their time, but they're not paying attention to whether or not it's actually bringing them an ROI. And I get, it's really hard to quantify ROI from social, organic social specifically. But you can at least get a general sense of whether or not it's contributing to your bottom line. And I see the same thing happen with, you know, oh, maybe I should launch this new product or maybe I need to be over here. And so I think if we just like take a step back, <laughs> mm -hmm. look at your numbers, um, numbers don't lie. It's an amazing tool that we have to really get a sense of where things are. And like, it's okay to just let go of things. So I have seen e-commerce businesses stop posting on social and they make more money because now they have more time to focus on other things, right? I haven't posted on social in, I can't even tell you how long, but I'm still booked out until Q2 of next year, right? So like, I think we have to just be more intentional about our time and stop wearing that badge of busy like it's an honor. I mean, and I fall into this trap literally all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm telling myself the same thing. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, if something works for others, it doesn't mean that it works for you. And 100%. if you pay attention to your strong side, then stick with that. You know, yeah. I, if I have no time to post, I, I don't post because yeah. I can earn money from other places. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to be super active to post content. I love posting, yeah. but I choose priorities. And um, I see when people uh, listen to Gary Vee and don't understand what he's talking about. For example, he usually shares, you need to post content on TikTok, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on, on Instagram, Snapchat, all social media. And I tried, I tried. Right. And you know, my best results were, were like a few hundred uh, views a day, <laughs> five, 10 right. followers. Then when I switch all my attention to LinkedIn, I got like plus 500 followers a day, great results, uh, 100,000 views because of focusing. Yeah. And, do uh, less 
but better. Like yeah. for me, the one place I show up come hell or high water every single week is my podcast. Mm-hmm. There's always an episode that goes out and everything else is just secondary for me. And, you know, I, I have a love hate relationship with Gary V too. You know, I think there's a lot of value in what he says, but I think people perceive it incorrectly sometimes yeah. and they try to emulate exactly what he does. And I'm like, you can do that when you literally have someone to follow you around and record you and edit everything for you and post all of it for you. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's he, not realistic. <laughs> he, he shares a team. He, he told that he yeah. has a team of 15 people who can help him to create and post content. You know, when you have a team, you can repurpose content. But right. he started on Twitter alone. He started yeah. to post content on Twitter for seven years uh, to promote wine library. Then he switched to YouTube. He, he didn't touch all social media. He, he paid attention yeah. to specific channels. Then when he grew, he could extend the team who can help him. It's the right. same like uh, Charlie D'Amelio. He uh, grew on TikTok, then hired a team to grow on Instagram, YouTube, everywhere. So yeah. when you have resources, go ahead. If you have two hands, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. Not, and you know, and then you have to really decide. This is a conversation I have with people a lot too. Is is that the business you even want? Mm-hmm. Do you want to have to manage fifteen team members and be responsible for their paychecks and their livelihoods? Like, take like, it's that shiny object or that dangling carrot. You know, just really think about what you want your business to look like. It doesn't have to look like that to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I watched interview uh, when Charlie D'Amelio got 4 million followers on TikTok and she came to Gary Vee to ask for advice how to grow on all social media and uh, he replied to her, double energy on TikTok. If it works for you, double energy on TikTok. Don't go to YouTube for the sake of having it. And right. he gave this advice. I think people don't, uh, doesn't, don't understand Gary Vee, you know, when he... He shares, yeah. you need to be everywhere if you have resources. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's when I, so my husband, he does um, photography and video for real estate, right? And so he has all the gear and he loves all the things. And when I was talking about starting a podcast, he's like, oh, you should start a YouTube channel. And I was like, look, I am not, I'm too vain to show up on video without being done. And I'm just not going to do it. Like, I know I will not do it. My podcast, I can record at 11 p.m. in my pajamas with my hair up. You know, like, I know I can stick to that. So I think it's also really important that we, you got to just be real. Like, what are you actually capable of doing and what can you be consistent with? Because consistency will trump quantity any day. A hundred percent. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. it, you know, because I see when people chase best practices, you know, for example, best practices, you need to shoot, uh, to shoot, uh, shoot videos on TikTok. But mm. if you hate it, it's the best way to burn out fast. You know, you can yeah. suffer to create this video <laughs> content and can't get any results because if you don't love it, leave it. Yeah. Leave it. Forget yeah. about that. If you are yeah. good with writing, Stephen King doesn't care about TikTok. <laughs> he loves <laughs> writing. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So, yeah. It's awesome. so, I mean, I, I get it. I, I fall into this trap. I've fallen into it multiple times since I've had this business. I ha- I do have like a YouTube channel so that I could have saved my username. And there's like, there's a couple of videos on there. Some of it's like repurposed podcast episodes because I thought I was going to do that. And then I, and I just like, I stop. I'm just stopping because I'm not doing it well. It's not bringing me anything. I feel like crap because I'm beating myself up that I'm not doing it and I should be doing it because they're doing it and everybody tells me I have to do it. Yeah. But like, why? What if I just showed up even better on my podcast? right? And inside my programs and built my email list. 
Nice. And yeah. what if I just took a tour and went on other people's podcasts or went into their programs and I get my visibility that way instead of continually trying to do the thing I just apparently don't like doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's the best way to be patient because yeah. uh, uh, when you do something that you don't like, you suffer, you give up, you burn out. But yeah, I like playing basketball. Nobody pays for my hobby. I can play every single day. <laughs> uh, someone <laughs> likes yeah. to watch TV. Nobody pays. They, they pay to watch TV, you know, <laughs> to watch know. live movies. Oh my gosh, I pay for every streaming channel yeah. there is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, and it helps uh, to uh, acquire skills to go ahead, to improve a little bit step by step and to overcome others, to be better than others when you have this experience, when you acquired experience. Yeah. So yeah, only patience can help when you do something that you like. And Jessica, I want to ask about your experience. Um, I often ask this question um, uh, because I found that I get uh, much better results with clients who understand what I do. For example, um, if I help with SEO, uh, I want to cooperate with clients who understand SEO. Uh, mm -hmm. Then we cooperate together to understand why we need to create high quality content, why it's important to get traffic value, then more traffic, um, many different insights. Uh, but if clients don't understand, it's hard to help them. Uh, I usually tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Jeff Coyle, uh, go to YouTube, go to Google, read marketing yeah. books. Just get the basic. When you have the basic, you can cooperate with any expert. It doesn't matter. Even if you decide to go uh, yourself without any help, but learn the basic. Yeah. If you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, what will you do today if you need to do everything from scratch? Honestly, I would just invest in someone who's done it before me and stop trying to figure everything out on my own. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that money would maybe come from, but I would figure it out because, and this is not my first business. Um, there's been successful ones. There's been ones that have never really gotten off the ground, right? Um, the difference is one i really loved it for me i have to be passionate about the thing that i'm doing like the money isn't enough but two i invested in help right away i'm like there are so many other people who have been there done this like i i love google university but man is that a waste of time you know like let me just go find someone who can be like do this and this don't do that uh and really focus your energy that's what i would do yeah, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, uh, once I started one project because of chasing money, uh, I, I felt that I can fill the gap in market, but uh, we invested a lot of resources. I don't want to say how much, a lot. Uh, we, hired <laughs> a big, yeah, we hired a big team and at that time I hated Monday. I loved Friday yeah. and I got the feeling uh, that it's better to give up. I, I'm not against to give up if you suffer. And yeah, I yeah. did it for three years, three years of wasting resources and got it never. I will never take any project because of money. Never. Because yeah. you need to love what you do. You have one life. You need to have yeah. passion. <laughs> and you know what? There are like, I think about those who kind of chase product trends and they'll, you know, white label an item on Amazon. But like that is the joy and fun for them is the discovering the new thing, testing it out, getting it up there, ranking it, right? Getting the buy box, like that is the joy for them. So I understand that. That's not the joy for me. And so I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, That's partially yeah. too why I don't have a product-based business right now, because for me, it's like fashion and apparel, which is like the worst thing to sell on the internet. So I have zero <laughs> desire to do that. Um, maybe if I come across something else, I'll start up another product-based business, but I'm good for right now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. And Jessica, I have my final question about the future. I want to ask you, take your crystal ball and let us know what kind of future will be in marketing. <laughs> I think it's going to be a return 
to the basics. Mm -hmm. And I think people after the last few years, it's just been a really bonkers world that we've lived in. And, you know, people are reprioritizing their lives. They're really focusing on supporting small business and buying from people and all of that. And so I think we're just going to see that grow more and more. And I think you know, that doesn't mean that AI is not going to come along and who knows what that's going to look like. I have no idea. Um, but I do think that there's just a return to humanity a little bit. And I think no. that's a great thing. Yeah. Awesome. And do you think AI can be like human or not? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I think so. AI is just a tool, right? Money is just a tool and it's all about what we do with it. Some people do really great things with money and other people do really crappy things with money. And I think the same will be true for AI. So let's just hope that more people do more good things with it. Awesome. Like it. Love <laughs> it. Love it. Love it. Jessica, it's a big pleasure to get on my show to learn from you. I love this experience. So fun, valuable. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah. So I am e-commerce badassery in all of the places. And if you go to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash unmiss, there's a gift there for you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'm a marketer and I need to leave a little bit of mystery so that you'll actually take action. Oh, nice. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I like this uh, name, but essay. Thank you. <laughs> so, guys, you can remind this name. If you can, then open the link in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I recommend to anyone to keep following Jessica. I follow because I know it's important for me to get these valuable bombs. And I recommend to anyone to do a the same. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.